This is Neo420 Talks, the podcast speaking truth against the lies. Neo420 Talks. This United States for America. Because of the pandemic scamdemic coup against America. On the Statue of Liberty it says, Give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to be free. On the Declaration of Independence it is written, All men are created equal. Hey, hey, good day, brothers and sisters. I hope you are doing fantastic today. God is great. Oh, man. I just, it just feels so good in the day just to think about all the great things that God has done for you. For me, I I think about it. I hope you think about it as well because it is magnificent. Even in the hardest times, man, even if you got a hardship or whatever is going through, it doesn't matter because you got life. And you got the opportunity to make it better. So keep encouraged. Keep up. I'm bringing you this. uh, Thank you, Thaddeus. He's a listener that uh, this is what building this community is about. Thaddeus went ahead and sent me this information about this this individual that he, you know, Philip Klein, Dr. Philip Klein, he uh, was the attorney general for the state of Kansas. He's the head of an organization now, and he's constantly talking about how important it is to maintain the the integrity of elections. And I can't, I don't have to tell you, brothers and sisters, the, uh, the presidential, gubernatorial, and senatorial election of 2020 was a criminal con coup of conspirators that fraudulently put an individual in office. Yes, I know it's happened before, but this one for absolute certain, and we know how it happened and when it happened. But I want to go ahead and give you this high-level information from Phil Klein because it is never going to be more important to understand what has went on and you have to look at every aspect of it but this is an interesting one looking in at how it started 25 years ago in order to attack the election integrity of these United States So without any further ado, 
Here's the beginning part. This is going to be at least a one of two section. We may break the question and answers uh, that went at the end of this interview with students and people in attendance. Uh, we may break that up into a third one, but this is at least the first of a uh, section of this interview. And the reason we break it up, brothers and sisters, is just not to have too much go out at one time. We have a certain amount of production capacity that we're able to do right now. Thank you for all the support because we are increasing that. But um, So this will be at least a two-part series, possibly a third. But here it is. Philip Klein talking about election integrity. Title of this is Philip Klein discusses 2020 election fraud and who participated. Part one. Good evening. Good evening, everyone. My name is Vivian Tork. I'm a sophomore here at Hillsdale, and I'm studying history and biology. And today, I have the privilege of welcoming Dr. Philip Klein. Philip D. Klein is the director of the Armistead Project at the St. Thomas More Society. He received his Bachelor of Science from the University of Central Missouri and his JD from the University of Kansas Law School, where he served as the associate editor of the Kansas Law Review and the editor of the Kansas Criminal Justice Review. A former Johnson County District Attorney, Mr. Klein served in the Kansas House of Representatives for the 18th District from 1993 to 2001. In 2002, he was elected Attorney General of Kansas. As Attorney General, he authored Kansas's Jessica's Law, increasing penalties for child predators, and established a cybercrimes task force that put over 100 internet predators of children in prison. It enhanced the criminal division of the office, leading to over 60 successful murder prosecutions, and successfully argued before the United States Supreme Court. Please join me in welcoming Mr. Klein. History inspired and the patience of God allowed the confluence of events leading to a radical expression of a common identity, a written word which marshaled the imagination of humankind to a divine truth and gave birth to a nation, which in turn over time lit the torch of liberty for the world. As with the entirety of human history, a divine promise was gifted to a flawed people. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all persons are created equal, endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights, and that among these is life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. To secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. I remember the first time I visited the National Archives in Washington, D.C., and I saw the Declaration of Independence kept in a vault. The parchment on which it is written is so fragile that it would crumble if exposed to oxygen. The document cannot stop a bullet. It cannot stop a sword. 
The power of that document is only present if the truths reflected in the words resonate in the heart of a people. And now America. And now America, unfortunately, appears to be peopled with individuals who proclaim there is no truth beyond self, not only obliterating the connection between the individual and God, but also erasing the bonds we have with one another. All conflict, all debate, all expression no longer reflect a mutual endeavor, but rather a play on power to gain authority and advantage over others. We cannot define a common good, for virtue is lost and the center no longer holds. America, historically a Christian nation, was radical in its middle way, birthing institutions and assigning responsibilities, reflecting our striving to live truth intermingled with grace, and thus reflecting and honoring the intrinsic value of every single human being. But now America is increasingly shaped by a narcissistic braid bred individual isolation and the soul of the nation is becoming hollow. The election of 2020 was the most lawless election in United States history. But it is not. It is not the cause of this erosion of American virtue. It is but a symptom. The cause is much deeper, its roots reaching into our institutions of higher education, the practice of law, and the exercise of governmental power. In America today, we worship government and not God. In doing so, just as Scripture admonishes, we turn over our wealth, our creativity, our sons and our daughters to our new king, government. For where our hopes rest, so will our treasure rest. Nancy Pelosi, speaking on the January 6th riot, referred to those who invaded the Capitol building as invaded the sacred chamber of democracy. Our political discourse reflecting this new secular worship of government is about fear and false hope, demonizing those who differ and promising that which can't be delivered by government. First, we've never been a democracy. A democracy without virtue is two wolves and a sheep deciding what's for dinner. The sheep will always get eaten. We have the most anti-democratic document in human history called the Bill of Rights, and it states, if I desire to worship and you disagree, I may worship. If I speak and you disagree, I may speak louder. No, we are not a pure democracy. And certainly the Capitol building is not a shrine to secular humanism religion. For a constitutional republic to persist, it must have a self-evident truth at its foundation to constrain government power. And without truth, constraint is lost. And so secondly, 
If government proclaims itself as the truth rather than as constrained by the truth, it assumes jurisdiction over all aspects of your life and becomes tyrannical. Do you see government assuming jurisdiction over speech, over thought, over belief? In this fear that now wraps America, born of an unanchored life and nurtured by a victim culture, we continue to cede all authority and jurisdiction and increasingly our freedoms to government, unwilling to stand for the freedoms of those with whom we disagree. Let me stress this point again as I move towards the election, it's vitally important for us to recognize that a nation that claims to be free will not remain long free unless its people have the courage to stand for the freedoms of those with whom we disagree. It is that foundation of a radical middle way in America that has preserved our freedoms through the years. But increasingly, Americans are unwilling to do so, violating two fundamental and foundational principles in American governance and constitutional jurisprudence that protect individual freedom, the separation of government powers and equal protection under the law or equality before the law. Here are but a few examples in one year, which should give all of us pause, and which includes governmental conduct in gross deviation from American principles, and which compel freedom-loving persons to take a stand. In the summer of 2020, we witnessed violent acts, which were called speech. And in the fall of 2020, we witnessed speech that was called violence. The only difference between the distinctions was based on whether you were considered a part of or apart from a favored governmental group. We have weaponized regulatory bodies and ethics boards to punish disfavored speech. Our nation's second president, John Adams, was a lawyer. He was elected president of the United States after he represented British soldiers in the Boston Massacre. That's how significant America believed all citizens, whether favored or unfavored, whether condemned by a culture or accepted by a culture, have their individual freedoms and must be protected from the reach of government. But now those representing disfavored causes face ethics complaints, doxing, and removal from employment opportunities. The Attorney General of Michigan looked upon the possibility of criminally investigating lawyers supporting questioning the election favorably and announced so. She also threatened legislators who might question the election with criminal investigation. I was one of the first to be canceled in this nation. In 2015, I had investigated and obtained evidence of rampant criminality within Planned Parenthood of America. I am the only prosecutor in our nation's history 
to successfully subpoena their records. And so I was attacked by my Supreme Court, appointed by Kathleen Sebelius, who later became Secretary of the United States Health and Human Services under President Obama. And they stripped me of my law license. I still remember the number one complaint that the ethics board made against me, and they claimed that it was unethical for me to investigate abortion clinics because I was pro-life. I said I am also anti-murder, and I investigate murder. I'm anti-rape, and I prosecute rapists. That formula of ethics is nothing but declaring that those with a similar belief of mine have no right to participate in a participatory democracy or hold office. That cancel culture spreads like a cancer through our nation now, enveloping our professions in fear and silencing a people who must speak about the injustice and act to protect the freedoms even of those with whom they disagree. I'd like to take a moment because in that season of my life, it was extraordinarily difficult, as you might imagine as many are going through now, and there's no way I would have survived it but for my wife standing beside me, and she's here today, Deborah. She's a Michigander from Mason, Michigan. And she's here with her parents, Lauren and Jackie. And now I see happening to others what happened to me. I have also with me one of our attorneys of the Amistad Project, our leader in Michigan who is doing an outstanding job to promote election integrity and challenge these governors who claim they're no longer part of the lawmaking process, but they are the law. What they wake up and decide in the morning is the law. They have lost faith in the democratic process. There is no reason when democracy can function in your state capitol building and the Senate and the House can meet that a governor has to exercise emergency powers. We are not a single branch of government in the United States. The separation of powers is vitally important for our freedom. And Ian Northen, who has stood with us, has also faced the assault. And I'd like to acknowledge Ian Northen one of our attorneys who's here, and a Hillsdale graduate, by the way. And another man that I've had the honor of standing alongside is one of your own, who's still here, who's your general counsel, and that's Bob Norton. Thank you, sir, for your leadership. Where are you, Bob? He's here somewhere. His leadership is greatly appreciated. Governor Whitmer, on the day the legislature was slated to exercise their constitutional authority to select presidential electors, falsely claimed a security threat, and locked Republicans from the Capitol building, disabling their pass cards to get in, and mobilizing state police to prevent Republicans from entering the building, all the while while allowing Democrats to enter and meet. We witnessed recently the undermining of civil authority of the military by the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, justified by the personal concerns of the Pentagon leader, bypassing well-tested and constitutional supported avenues to address those concerns. On most of our college campuses, 
disfavored groups are bullied and silenced as students trade free speech zones for something called safe zones. When for the briefest of moments, America shifted its focus from the color of one's skin to the content of one's character, we have reverted back to measuring persons by skin color with identity politics and critical race theory. And we have the arbitrary and capricious application of law in the United States undermining equal protection. Leftist governors have regulated everything from how close you can sit to one another, to whether your mask must cover your nose and your mouth, to whether you can attend a funeral of a loved one or visit someone in the hospital. They have regulated every human endeavor and expression unilaterally. And there is no police force in the world large enough to enforce such laws. And no police force willing. So who gets punished but those who raise their voice to challenge the decisions of the government? Because it's not about safety. This nation has never quarantined the healthy. It has protected the vulnerable. It is about authority. And that is why your attorney general decided to prosecute a restaurant owner, a German immigrant, after she appeared on Fox News and criticized the government. So she was arrested on her way to work within a week. I can give you numerous stories of people that we've represented from this government overreach. Governor Whitmer marches proudly with Black Lives Matters and threatens our client in Michigan, one nation, a group of urban pastors, with the rest if they gather to express their difference with cancel culture. We cannot stand in freedom and watch the freedom of others be ripped away from an authoritarian government. The shutdowns witnessed the most massive distribution of wealth in United States history, where big tech firms and large box stores were able to accommodate and use money, and they weaponized COVID fear with governmental allies to shut down their competitors and small businesses to the point of bankruptcy. And now we have a corporate oligarchy in America exercising governmental powers. Walmart alone has more revenue than Spain. These corporate oligarchies have decided that you cannot and will not be trusted with information because they must communicate what they believe the truth to be to you. And they censor and they threaten, and they take those voices which they do not like and bring them actually to ruin and bankruptcy. Because we live in a managed economy that is dependent on such technology now. Everybody got a cell phone? Pull out your cell phone. And you might have turned it off, but I ask you to do something for me. I ask you to go to your favorite news site and click on an ad about something that you're not concerned about that you've never searched for on a topic you're not worried about. 
and do that sometime this evening, and by the time you get home, you will notice that your click on that ad has been sold, and the information has been monetized, and you will start to see ads of a similar character with the sites that you visit. We all, in my generation, were concerned about the surveillance state. We now have surveillance capitalism. Every night when you go to bed, your cell phone is communicating all of your decisions through that day. Your Siri has recorded your requests and they are searching keywords. Google has an algorithm that knows every one of your searches and then catalogs it to be monetized and sold. Facebook knows about your communications with friends and all of that data has been aggregated not only to have a consumer impact and predict your behavior, but to also alter your behavior and to direct you. In this past election, Facebook teamed up with the Secretary of State of California to work out and dox and remove from Facebook and that platform and other platforms, including Twitter, any information that the Democrat Secretary of State thought was disinformation in the campaign. This type of corporate alliance with government is controlling the way we select our leaders and it's controlling the information that we receive. And your political rights should not be turned over to a government panel and corporate leaders who are unaccountable to you. And this is happening everywhere. It is teamed up with our administrative state, which is so bloated. At this nation's founding, there were 58 federal laws that were criminal. Five years ago, the, a congressman asked the Congressional Research Service to number all the laws, all the criminal laws on the federal books. They came back after two years and said, we cannot, they are too numerous to count. I know as a prosecutor, if I wanted to target you, I could use all these algorithms, I could use all this data, and I will make you a felon. Because we have laws on our books that don't even require you to intentionally do a wrong. I'll give you but one example. If your granddaughter or daughter has a Kool-Aid stand and she puts up a sign that says, give a hoot, don't pollute, because people are tossing the cups aside, that is a misappropriation of a federal slogan. It has a $10,000 fine and five years in jail. That's just the beginning. With the power of the badge, the government can make any one of you a target, and you are now vulnerable because we have acceded to the surveillance of capitalism for the convenience of our phones. It's a soft Marxism that is being implemented in our country.